previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. No, it is a legitimate worry that there's this whole fear that if Putin gets back into the corner that he has, well, if, if I can't have it, nobody can have it mindset, right? Yeah. That yeah. feeling. You know, it seems as if the longer this war's gone on, then the longer he hasn't resorted to tactics like that, the more confident that folks are that he's at least rational enough. And he won't do that. All right. Yeah. I'll get you out of here on this. Shohei Otani, huh? <laughs> what do you think? Tim or Dominic Smith, who would you better? <laughs> it's close, right? The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Yes, let's take the most serious topic that scares all of us and then just go to Shohei Otani. That's what this show is. Jeannie is here today. I'm very happy that Jeannie is here today. And I have some stories that I need Jeannie's comments on. Um, first of all, the show at large, and I know Michael joins in this, as does Steve Sands join in this, our great congratulations to John O'Donnell, Johnny O who has made the clothing that both Michael and I and all of Michael's children wear all the time. Best dressed kids in kindergarten. He made the U.S. Senior Open. Had now, a birdie in round one. Did he? Yeah. Okay. And That's I watched a little great. bit last night, and all they were showing was pros last night. All they were showing were senior tour guys when I was watching, like Strick, Steve Stricker was on for hours. It's in Wisconsin, which is Stricker's Central. home state. You know, what did Johnny finish? Uh, he finished with an 80. Uh, and he, he sort of, it looked like he struggled to finish both nines. I don't know where he started. But again, as he would say, because the USJ app is showing is giving a lot of coverage to those types of stories. He is a career am. And he He's a shirt describes salesman. himself as a shirt <laughs> salesman. Shirt salesman. Yes. I mean, he might be able said. to pick up a couple players. Yeah. He yeah. looked good. I got that polo shirt, the one with the buttons on the collar. Yeah. I had that. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> come on. So we're we're really happy for him. He's a yes. wonderful golfer. And yes, we're really, to make playing, the senior am is so sure. Hard. But to play in any USJ event at any level and to continue to put yourself through the qualifying process at that age is unbelievable. Just great, just great. There was a perfect game. I could talk about it, but no one cares. I did watch the NHL draft for about an hour, and I was very surprised at this one thing. I thought it was a pretty good television show. The kids who are drafted are so young. They're looking. so young. They actually are seventeen and eighteen, yeah. and they actually look yeah they look seventeen and eighteen, yeah. and they are so young looking. And unlike the NBA draft, at the NBA draft, you declare for the NBA draft. It is because you want to play in the NBA, but you don't want to even wait till next season. You want to play in the NBA tonight if you can. So is this more like a baseball draft where you go through yes, the process? Yes, people. And- People, they would say that certain players were committed to Boston College next year, Quinnipiac. Boston University next year. So, and you go, well, what are you, what are you doing in the draft? Why are you in the draft? You're so happy. You walk down there, you put on the jersey, you shake everybody's hand, you look great, and then then you're not going to actually play. The Russian kid who was drafted has a three-year contract with the KHL in Russia, who the Philadelphia Flyers drafted. People said of him. He may actually be as good, if not better, than Connor Bedard, who was the unanimous wow. choice for number one. But what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to buy him out of his deal. And we're not as friendly with Russia as we used to be. <laughs> no. It's going to be hard to buy. But the kid was here, and he put on a Flyers jersey. And then you hear the backstory that, well, it was a three-year con- You know, it's, that's very weird to we me. We may never see him again. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's very weird to me because I'm... S- I'm so used to with the football draft. Oh, yeah. The football yeah. draft. You're out there the next You're ready year. to go. Yes. Right. You're so happy to be drafted. Yeah. And the basketball draft. You, 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 would, you would have put your name in when you were 14 if they allowed it. Nobody goes anywhere else. So that was weird. But those are not my stories. I have two stories. 
The first story, I'll do the dog story first. So yesterday, so the other day, yesterday was Thursday. So on Wednesday, the guys from Pineapple come over. Pineapple Landscaping, they come over and they do some stuff in the backyard. They don't cut because it had been cut a couple of days before. They're doing cleanup. Cleanup and pretty work. You know, they're making everything nice. That's fine. Yeah, it's nice. Sure. And then the next morning, you know, I leave. Chessie has Frisbees. And we leave them outside. So she goes outside, puts them in her mouth, prances around, and does whatever dogs do. That's where the Frisbees are. And some of them, the cloth ones, are really ratty. I mean, she's eaten them. She's ripped them up. They're no good. Reset, these are the Frisbees that listeners emailed us about probably six months ago. And we went on Amazon and We still uh, have the up. Kong one that's rubber. Yeah. yeah that she can't these eat. These are supposedly indestructible. We don't want her to have them. the plastic ones. Because although a lot of dogs learn things. Like Chessie learns. She learned that if she does a certain thing, I will give her a biscuit. She's learned that. But she hasn't learned not to eat the plastic Frisbee and throw up. She continues to throw up when she eats the plastic Frisbee. So we tried to get her off plastic Frisbee. Which says on the packaging, not a chew toy. Right. So I go outside. Yeah, I put her outside yesterday morning and there are no Frisbees. And I say, and she's learned this sentence too, where are they? Where are they means you run around the yard and you find them and you bring them. And she doesn't find them. And I walk around and I don't find them. Now, I don't look everywhere, but I look a lot of places and I don't find them. So I call Alex who runs it's his company i mean finn is dad is great but finn works for alex alex is the man right michael fair yep. to say yeah. alex is the man and i call alex i say i don't want to be an alarmist but you guys were over here the other day and the frisbees look sort of ratty and maybe just maybe they tossed them you know maybe they tossed them and i left that in a message he calls me right back 10 minutes later and he says what's up and i said well did you said, no i didn't listen to the message so i repeat it and he goes oh no we can't have that so he calls the crew and he says, that's Gabriel's crew. And three guys come over and Gabriel comes over with these other two guys who I recognize from the day before. And they start looking through the brush and they find the Frisbees. Now they take pictures of the Frisbees. They want to take pictures of the Frisbees. Now I go over to them and I use my only three words of Spanish. Lo siento mucho. Yeah. Because I am, I, I am terribly sorry. I should have looked here. This is my fault. I am so sorry. I am really sorry. And they just, you know, waved. And then they said, call Alex. And I said, I will call Alex right now. So I called Alex and I said, they hate me. I understand it. I'm terribly sorry. What can I do? Think of all the things they've been accused of taking. Well, I didn't accuse them of taking them. No, but uh, not you. But I right. mean, why they're so right. sensitive and I, and to so it. I could, Where's my trowel? I yeah. could yeah. not be more guilty. Uh, yes. I could not be more apologetic. I... And I feel this. I felt so bad. Next thing I know, there's a knock on the door and Alex brings over a bunch of toys for the dog. He went out and bought (laughs) toys for the dog, one of which is a big sort of cotton ball that makes noise that she's going to be through by tomorrow afternoon. But she loves that. And I said, you didn't have to do this. He said, no, no, no. I thought we had to. And I said, I am so terribly. You know what I mean? Oh, it sort of makes me sad that people think you wield this incredible power over them, that they're all just quivering. They shouldn't. Yes, but they do. But I, I probably shouldn't have called, but I, I was, I just wondered if they threw them out. Yeah. I, you know, because they're really ratty. 
They're really bad. Yeah, I mean, I could see that rationalization of being like, oh, yeah, these these must be garbage. We'll toss these, you yeah. know, not of any malice or so anything So I feel like that. awful. But like Alex brought... Isn't that nice? That's just wonderful. Yes, it's very nice. You're mad at me. Well, I'm not mad at you. I, I, I just regret that this situation occurs, that people quake in, in your presence. Then you're going to love this next story. <laughs> okay, bring it on. <laughs> I went to a bank the other day. I don't know that I should say the name of the bank. Michael knows this story. I don't know that I should say the name of the bank. But I went to a bank, not my bank. A convenient bank, not my bank. Here's trouble. My bank is truest, and I don't even know. Yeah, I wasn't in the area where the truest was. I went to a bank. I had a $100 bill. I wanted to get change of $100 because I needed to buy some things. Actually, I needed to. Danny was coming over, and I needed to make sure Danny had money for the hair. Okay? I needed to do that. Needed $100. Wanted four 20s, a 10, and two fives. And felt... I'm going to go to a bank because this is an exchange of money. I'm not asking for anything. I'm giving you. You have money. This is a bank. I'm giving you $100 and asking you to give me back $100 in another denomination. Does that sound unreasonable to you? No. Okay. As I walk into the bank, there are two tellers. One is dealing with a customer who is a young man, probably in his 20s or early 30s, who has with him a beautiful brown dog on a leash. The dog is in the bank. Actually, she's laying on her back at that point. Um, And she's in the bank with this guy. He's with one teller. I look at the teller to my left, who is unoccupied. And I said, take out a $100 bill. I said, I'd like to get some change. She goes, are you, do you have an account with us? I go, no. No. She says, well, we can't do it. Well, what do you, I'm sorry. What do you mean? You can't do it. I'm, I'm not asking you to give me any. I'm giving you $100. We're just, we're just trading. We're just trading here. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm at a loss for words. And I, and I'm, I back away and I go, I, this is insane. What, you, what? The guy looks at me. And the guy says, you need change of 100 I'll give you change of 100 I go, really? He proceeds to take out of his pockets giant gobs of bills. Giant gobs. They make the Phil Mickelson gob of cash that he always carries <laughs> around. Look Neil like Diamond buying a house? Giant gobs of, of bills. I, I, I'm, and when I say giant gobs, I mean fistful after fistful. Are they organized or are they just kind of like crumpled up? They're sort a- of crumpled up. Oh, boy. And I say to him, which I think anybody would say at that point, what are you doing with all this money? And he says to me, I'm a stripper. Oh, wow. Magic Mike. Of course. I'm a stripper. <laughs> and he takes out. He says, how do you want it? Oh, and I my go, how about God. four 20s? Yeah, how about four? And he says to me, I'll give you four 20s. How about a 10, a five, and five ones? I go, that's gold. That's great. And he says, don't be mad at them. You know, they're good. Pointing to the tellers, don't be mad at them. I'm a stripper. And I look at him and I do say, you really are a good looking man. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was about 5'10". And then and th- did you try to put some money down? No, I, yeah. I, yeah, I did, did say, do you want me to give you back the ones in your belt or however it works? And what do you, what do you, make, what do you make of the dilemma of a bank 
only dealing with its own customers. This is the United States of America. This is legal tender. There must be a reason for this policy, probably related to counterfeiting. For some reason, oh. there's been some sort of a scam. Oh, couldn't People, they put the hundred under a light, I a special don't light? Don't know, but I, I'm sure there's no, no, the littles will write in and tell us those who work in. Michael, banks. Michael, looked down at me when I. When I didn't I, look down at you. I'm just. I never would consider going into an any other bank that's not one where I have some relationship, even if it's just I used to be a member there and the tellers know me. Uh, to me, I'm. You've never had a debit card. So the no, idea I'm is when you get your debit, debit card, you used to walk around saying, I have to find the debit card that, that belongs to my bank, so I'm not paying the transaction fee where, you know, you look at this and I just don't know why you would expect someone to do that. I, I just would never walk in there. No, I, I share your expectation. You're uh, older. We, yeah. we come from an America where when you, this is, this is exactly what you did. You walked into a bank. And yeah, right. and that's where I see where is the divide because for that exact scenario, I would walk into a convenience store, a, a you know, corner shop, and, and I would buy, buy something. something. And then I'd say, buying can you... anything. I mean, I want change of 100. You're asking for a service. I, yes, I'm technically asking for a service, but but I'm not. There's no purchase involved. There's nobody's beating anybody. I mean, it, well, you you're with me on this. One. I'm with you, but but I would not take it out on the tellers, as the stripper advised. <laughs> I, I'm in the same league with him, right? In that on that occasion, um, because I'm sure <laughs> there is a reason for that. We don't know what it is. It might be something that they don't want people to know because it's a scam that is. Easily. Ongoing, yeah. right, right, mm -hmm. right. A stripper, gobs a stripper. of money, unbelievable. How was he dressed? Was it like casual? He was dressed, yeah, like, like a fireman, huh? No, no. <laughs> no he had, no shoes, no he had no on what I would call a sort of probably trendy, probably sort of. I mean, if I had to say a name like Lululemon, even though I don't know what that means, at leisure, yeah. Uh, a, a sort of a sweatsuit, black sweatsuit with white piping. It, it was nice looking. He's a, he was great looking. He could have just come from his job. This was in the morning. He could have been out all night sure. being a stripper. Right. But Bachelorettes. It, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. It was. It is the wedding season. That's right. Well, it, he could have been. It, Yes, he could have been there, or he could have been anywhere being a stripper. <laughs> yes. You know, he could have been anywhere. Yes. Um, but the amount of money he had, the amount of cash, and he's not declaring any of this money. Oh, no. No. I mean, just, you know, gobs and gobs and gobs of, of money. And, you, and, you, and he without, was so nice. Without question, just ask, where'd you get all that money from? Well, wouldn't you have? Yes, I would. Of course. I would say. I would, I would say, never ask, but I'd wonder about it all day and yeah. go through every possibility I, I, with yeah. my wife at home. I'm an old man. Yes. I get to ask I that. I would say, if you don't mind my asking. Oh, I didn't. Where did you get all this freaking cash? Yes. Yeah. It's an awful lot of cash. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Big gobs. Is there a resolution? Are you going to buy the bank and have the tellers <laughs> fired? fired? No, yes. no, but, but. It, it, is, it is discouraging to me to think that, and this happens, there's a lot of things that there is a, an, an entry portal to a given thing that you have to be a member of. And, you know, that's well, discouraging this, to me. That's a, there's a lot of that, and we could go through all the things that exist like that. Well, it's reminiscent of when you went to the post office and wanted to pay with legal cash. And they wouldn't take my money. <laughs> right. take it. And that, that to me... Yeah, they wouldn't just, take my yeah. money. You're the post office. You are the government. <laughs> right. You 
print this money and you won't take this money. And I, yeah, I have problems with um, the the any cashless food payment. stores. Yeah, oh, I have yeah. problems Parking with garages. Well, they, they don't want to get robbed. Okay. Or is it they want to fire their help? Oh, well, you know, that could you know be that, I mean? too. But, I mean, how vulnerable, for example, is your average post office to some guy walking in? It's, suppose all the I guess, transactions but, because I don't rob people because I don't, I don't think that way. So well, I, you have to watch Law and & Order more and, <laughs> well, you and know, British those... crime dramas and <laughs> oh, do you get understand. Box? Oh, I love BritBox. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but for all those cashless payment options, you think about all the service charges that we never know we're paying that are from you know the service store, the charges. service, uh, having to pay that, that junk fee. I'm very interested in your reasoning that the bank might be afraid of counterfeit bills and or just the process of somebody taking in dirty money and just cleaning it through, right. getting the change from the bank, and the bank trying to maybe avoid being involved in yeah. any of that. Breaking bad. Yeah. yeah. So you think the bank looked at me as a potential felon? Yeah. No, they... Why not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got, I've got one for you to talk about cashless deals. So my sister was having a procedure in a medical building. I had to be there to pick her up. That medical building across from Saks Fifth Avenue in Wisconsin, yeah, 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 fifty-five thirty, which is the yeah. hub of every doctor yeah, yeah, that we yeah. know. Avoid the right lane. So I <laughs> yes. w- went and parked myself in the Saks Fifth Avenue parking lot across the street, so I don't have to go into that horrible underground garage. No more toll booths. No more little men in the kiosks. You drive in. It is now ruled by Air Garage. You pull up any parking space you want, you text to a number, and the text message you send is pay. Immediately comes a message back to you saying, hello, welcome to Air Garage. You type in your license plate number. You type in, I think... This is a lot of work to park. It's easy. Really? It's easy. 40 seconds, done. Oh, I have to give him my credit card, of course. Well, of course. No, yeah. Uh-huh. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, don't forget the expiration date. <laughs> yeah. But no, but no more toll booth operators. I like the parking toll booth operators. Do you feel yeah. like you ended up paying more because of all the, no, the fees that are in the transaction? The min- well, it was by the minute. Do you have the Park Mobile app? Yes. Minute by minute by minute yes. by minute. Doobie Brothers. I don't have any of those. I don't want apps. I don't even want my phone. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's a car am, phone. Yeah, I am for the call. I'm lost in this world. I am lost in this world. We'll take a break. When we come back, is it Barry or is it Ann? Barry. Barry's for Luga today. We need to talk about the investments that Cutter is attempting to make into the Washington, D.C. professional sports scene. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band called Divine Sweater. This is a song called When the World is Ending. Divine Sweater has a, an album, I guess, Divine Sweater. They're playing 
tonight at Comet Ping Pong. Oh. Wow. How about that? On Connecticut right. Avenue. I guess it's open again. I guess it would we're, we're not. Yeah, don't bring that up. All right. All right. All right. Comet Ping Pong, Washington, D.C., before a hometown show at the Sinclair on July 8th in Cambridge, Massachusetts. This is sent to us by Cameron Tabutabai, who says, I was lucky enough to chat about you and the pod with Brian Winhorst during the most recent NBA postseason. I told Brian I admired his ability to produce a good segment despite your utter disdain for the NBA. <laughs> he rejected the notion, saying, suggesting instead the games are usually just on too late. All the same, if the title of official Celtics beat writer for the Tony Corners or podcast hasn't been taken, I humbly volunteer. We'll check you out with Bob Ryan. We'll yeah. find out if we can do that. <laughs> right. Again, this is um, Alex Goldberg is on the band. His band is Divine Sweater, and it was called When the World is Ending. Plays in Barry's Verluga. And we... We need to talk about this. Um, we need to talk about a couple of things in Washington, D.C. with teams. Let me just ask, first of all, if you expect Josh Harris now to buy the football team and you actually expect Dan Snyder to sell the football team. I do. I mean, now that it's been vetted by the NFL Finance Committee and there's a date set of July 20th for a vote of all the ownership, I mean, they don't, they don't set up these votes if they don't know the answer, they're not a vote to be rejected. Um, and I, t- Tony, I am with you in in the kind of skepticism of your of your question. I have been yep. a not until the ink dries will I believe this transaction. Yeah. Um, but we're we're a month, you know, three weeks from the ink being dry, and I think the path is there. And it's just, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of startling in how abrupt this has happened um, because even with the maelstrom around um, Snyder for several years, um, you know, kind of leading into 2020 when the Post reporting on on everything bad that had happened in Ashburn um, came out, you know, he didn't announce his intentions to explore a a sale until November. That was kind of a shocking development. This still will feel startling and and have real ramifications in this town. Okay, but you expect it. I'm I'm one of those holdouts who thinks that Snyder has not said a single word about this publicly. He's going to say, "Nah, I'm going to keep the team." His but house in Potomac is for sale. That is mm-hmm. right. He's uh, moving to England, right? Mm-hmm. Living on a boat it, in you England. Can, you Thanks. can do a video tour of it. Thanks for just, that. Just Thanks for sending him over to us. We appreciate saying. that. Yeah. Okay, second question. Do you expect the Lerner family to keep going through the process of selling the Nats? Do you see any change, man? There? That is so murky, and I'll be honest with you, very frustrating. Um, I do think the fact that the one remaining bidder, who is Ted Leonsis, Mm -hmm. the owner of Monumental Sports, Capitals, Wizards, Mystics, um, the fact that he took on uh, new money in his uh, Monumental Sports group from the bottomless pit of Qatari investment fund. We're going to get right to that. Go ahead. uh, that, That sets him up financially. Um, to make a strong bid for the Nationals. He clearly wants a sports empire here yep. uh, larger than he does, that he already has. Um, and, and remember, him buying the Nationals isn't just you know person A buying a baseball team. That sale and the finances behind it have to be vetted by not just Major League Baseball, but by the NBA and the NHL because that, that group that will be um, overseeing the new baseball team. So it's, it's a more complicated process, um, but I can't tell you, Tony, what the learners feel in their hearts about 
are we in or are we out? Um, I thought for sure when they made their announcement in April 2022 that they were 100% out. Since then, the patriarch Ted Lerner has died. Um, it's hard to know exactly who the lead vote is and what their feelings are. So that one's harder to answer. Well, the reason Ted Leonsis, I mean, I've worked in television long enough to know this. The reason Ted Leonsis wants to buy that team is inventory. If you've got a hockey team, if you've got a basketball team, if you've got a baseball team, and your primary source of income becomes a sports, a regional sports network, you are golden 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. You got something on every one of those days. Uh, baseball just it shovels coal into the fire all the time, right? You would agree with that. I mean, it's not to, it's he's owning these teams in order to feed the network. Yes, uh, I thousand percent agree with you. And he's rebranded that network, and he's he's poised to do that. There are complicating factors in the fact that. Buying the baseball team, buying this baseball team does not come with the rights currently for those broadcasts. So the Orioles still control Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. They control the rights to the Nationals, and he would have to work out a deal yeah. to get those rights back. So it's, it's well, what you say makes complete sense. It's not, uh, it's not just an easy transfer, and all of a sudden he has those 162 baseball games. He's got to do a deal on top of the deal to make that work. And I, I'm sure he understands that, and, and it may be that the time is right to do that because the courts seem to be siding against the Orioles so far yeah. in this whole Masson thing, and maybe they want to get out, especially because their team is better now, and they probably would make some money. But I'll leave that to the side for a second. The money that he is taking on, Ted Leonsis is taking on money from the sovereign state of Qatar, okay, which is, um, to me, troubling. To me, troubling. It may not be troubling to other people. It's never troubling to Wilbon. Wilbon had no problem at all with the Saudi Arabia money that now the Saudi Arabians own the golf tour. They own it. And and if anybody thinks that's not true is really not paying attention. This is another um, sovereign country outside of our purview. And it's different, Barry, I would suggest, and, and you will tell me, it's different than a Qatari citizen buying 15% in a stake or something. This is the government doing this. And so you are then allowed to look at the government and how it conducts itself and make a determination whether or not this is good. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, Tony, I can't sit here as someone who has criticized the source of the Live Golf funding since before Live Golf was announced and say, oh, I don't, I don't care about Ted Leonsis taking money from the state of Qatar, um, which has a similar, if not exactly the same record on human rights abuses, as does the Saudi Arabian government. I mean, that would be hypocritical. Um, And so, yes, troubling is a good word for it. Um, That that regime uh, has a horrible record on uh, gay rights in particular, on on female rights. Um, So you have to Ted Leonsis has not explained his thinking, has not, uh, they made an announcement, he has not taken questions on, on what the involvement is going to be here, but if, if we're not looking at it askance, we're not doing the right thing for sure. Yeah, so I know that, that the comeback is, well, the United States government's hands are not clean. We have business relationships with a lot of countries that are oppressive and autocratic. 
China and Russia come to the top of the list and probably more dangerous to us than than maybe Qatar is, maybe Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure about that. But when the United States Senate gets involved in the Gulf, well, I, I don't think golf is as important to this country as baseball. I don't think golf is as important to this country as basketball, maybe as hockey, but I'm not even certain of that anymore. I'm not certain of that. Do you expect the government to get involved with this? And, and Ted Leonsis can say I'm not taking any questions from you. Well, I don't think he can say I'm not taking any questions from the government, right? No, that's, that's an interesting one for sure. And I think the counter here, um, you, you hit on the Saudis owning professional golf, which is, which is accurate. I, I think the counter, and if I'm just going to sit in Leonsis' seat for a second, is the rules are that um, these, this investment in monumental um, rules set by the NBA and the NHL is that they can't own more than a certain percentage, and I'm not sure of the certain I mean, percentage. It's 15. In, in it is 15. And they have 15. Be, yeah. They, right. Okay. So they have to be silent partners. Now, I, I'm suspicious of silence. I mean, what are they're just going to put the money in and then turn their backs and not watch the games and have any sort of um, opinion on on what the product is and how their money's being used? I mean, that seems that seems ridiculous. Um, yes. Is is it reasonable to assume that? Um, some Congress people might have an interest in in how this money is going to be used. Absolutely, and I'm I'm not even saying that Ted is dodging questions on this. I mean, I think he'll answer them, and he will. Um, he, his answer, I suspect, will be involving people, involving these regimes in our economy and our society will serve to push them forward, rather than isolating them and. Um, allowing them to continue their misdeeds, that they will have to conform if they want to get more involved in the economy. You can debate that. I'm just pretty certain that that's what his his answer will be. There was a period of time where leagues didn't, I think football still does this, but I could be wrong. They didn't let you own teams from different sports. You owned a team in that sport. That's how it worked, right? Well, I mean, if you look at Stan Kroenke, he owns, you know, the Denver professional teams, essentially, except for the Rockies and the L.A. Rams. So there's there's mm-hmm. crossover. John Henry owns the Boston Red Sox and a big stake of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. This is becoming more common. And it's becoming more common because there are fewer candidates. These, these franchises, their values are so exorbitant that, you know, the Rooney family can't just walk in and buy an NFL franchise anymore. It That's takes right. these gigantic heavy hitters who, if it, the price is $6 billion for the Washington Commanders, it doesn't really matter because, you know, Josh Harris has made so much money um, that he can own sports, you know, he can own the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's, I, mean, I don't want to say it's a drop in the pocket, but he's, he's equipped to do it. The number of people who can do that is finite and small. And you're going to see, because of that, more investment groups, foreign and domestic, um, become big yeah. players in these things because it's just so, so expensive. I think we're going into the deep woods here. I mean, I really do. I, I think this is the tip. I think that all around the world, countries are going to start to do this. And I think there will be, I'm not saying they will try to take over, but I am saying they're going to try and well, take and over. Well, I risk sounding xenophobic, but it 
just scares me that there's some slippery slope yeah. that this whole infrastructure of American sports, especially baseball, is going to be corrupted. Yeah. What do you think, Barry? And well, I think I think what what we have to watch, and, and golf is kind of the canary in the coal mine because they're they're further along in this process, and, and the Saudis have um, a bigger stake in in that. You know, the PGA Tour is making all this noise that oh no, we run golf, um, even though we've partnered with the, the Saudi Public Investment Fund. I mean, that just doesn't ring true. And I think, and we're going to have to watch as future schedules are announced. Like, what events are where? I mean, I oh, just yeah. don't think you're going to have a, a PGA Tour that has the West Coast swing and the Florida swing and, and everything that we know, I think that you're going to be like, oh, well, this week's event is in Saudi Arabia. And this, you're going to see many more mainstream uh, Middle Eastern events. And, and you'll know then that the power has swung. And, and so then follow that along to Jeannie's fear about, you know, what does become the influence on, on our domestic sports. And it would be interesting to look at, I don't know enough about um, – the Saudi involvement in the English Premier League, but that is a, a global brand. They know it. They're involved in it for a reason, and they're not going to be involved just to, like, stick their money in a, in a shoebox and, and put it in somewhere in the English countryside. Like, they're going to want say and sway, and, and we have to watch how that might affect domestic sports. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it, Tony. Thanks very much. Barry's for Lugo Boys and Girls. Ann Hornaday, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. These are the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. They're real. They are a big hit group. Yes. This is sent to us by Dwight Glenn writes, Greetings from the official 70s country rock band of the TK Show, the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. We're excited to share with you today our new single, More Cowbell. Hits the airwaves today and tomorrow, Saturday, July 1st. They will be debuting the song nationally with an appearance on the Grand Ole Opry. How about that? In Nashville. We then will take the highways and byways to Washington, D.C., as we have the distinct honor of being the featured artist for Smithsonian's Ozark Folklife Festival. We'll perform live on the National Mall on July 4th. Isn't that nice? That's a great honor. I remember when I first got here, the Beach Boys used to do that. Yes. It was really lovely. We've been privileged to do cool things during our 51 years as a touring band, but this is definitely a highlight of our career. Lucky for you, we have July 5th as an off day before we head to Michigan and Wisconsin for a couple of shows later in the week. So if you need a fourth at Columbia on the 5th, please let me know. <laughs> you know. As always, we thank you for the years of smart and thoughtful entertainment for allowing us to share our music with all the littles. Who doesn't need a little more cowbell in their lives? Isn't that lovely? <laughs> more cowbell. All right. Plays in Ann Hornaday. Um, this is the July 4th weekend. This is traditionally, you know, a big deal movie weekend. Everybody's out of school. Um, quiet little movies are not usually released at this time. Big noisy movies are released. And the biggest, noisiest one, right, is, is the 
Harrison Ford movie, yes? That would be it, yeah. Have you seen it? I have. Did you like it? That's a complicated question. Um, I think it's a complicated answer. (laughs) (laughs) When is it not? When when is it not? You know, it's fine. It's it's definitely in this category of everything's like way too long. I'm I'm sorry I'm a broken record, but that's just the way it is. Like these are two, what is this, two hours and I think 20 minutes, 25, two and a half. It's a lot. It's completely you know plot narratively you know if if there's there's very little surprise but the big draw is harrison ford and you know seeing him at age 80 reprise that role there is something delightful about that um and you know so i guess it's a nostalgia trip and and it's sort of a sentimental send-off because i think this is the last time he'll do it you know it it definitely has its emotional compensations um I'm going to ask the obvious question here before we get to de-aging and how Jeannie and I uh, look mm. at something like that. But mm. these movies, maybe it's just because I'm old, but you get to a point where you say to yourself, these don't need another episode. These don't it's need to, to, be re- track. to be revived. Exactly. You know, it's like superhero yeah. stuff. I mean, he's a superhero, obviously. Right? I mean, yeah. he's... Are, are they? Uh, is is there any evidence, Anne, that they're going down the drain? That people don't want them anymore, or is there evidence to the contrary? Well, we're. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with with this one. You know, um, <laughs> weirdly, a strange proof of concept that it can work was the Top Gun movie, which mm-hmm. completely, as we all know, bowled me over yep. too. I mean, I went in with elbows out and sharpened and like, oh, come on. And then it was like, you got me. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so much in the execution. But yes, to your point, I am sensing a little bit of fatigue. And um, certainly with that superhero genre, you know, in the comic book genre, there have been a a lot of those movies have stumbled this year. The Ant-Man movie did not do well, understandably so, because it was dreadful. It took a really sweet little you know, subchapter of that whole saga, which was just delightful. It was really the most family-friendly version, you know, of those movies, I thought. Sweet, light, um, Paul Rudd, so endearing. But they just CGI, you know, like then it just turns into yet another kind of generic piece of CGI, CRAP. Um, The Flash (laughs) totally tanked a couple of weeks ago. The only real movie that's done well that you could call a comic book movie is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is just this really inventive, gorgeous animated movie. So it suggests to me, you know, that just as Iron Man defined the, redefined the genre 15 years ago, and then of course what they do, they just kept trying to chase that tail, you know, like, let's make more Iron Man. Yeah. Right. Um, we need, we need novels, you know, it needs, it needs reinvigorating because it's, it's pretty much played out in my view. Uh, well, let's, let's do the Harrison Ford thing. I mean, Harrison Ford... Yeah is very important to cinema in the United States of America over a long mm-hmm. period of time. I mean, going all the way back to, um, what's the movie? American Graffiti? Yeah, American Graffiti. Yeah, I mean, he's in that. Yeah. And that's a long time ago. Because um, Ron Howard has directed 87 movies <laughs> since then, and he was in that movie as well. That's right. So everybody wants to see Harrison Ford, and everybody feels good about Harrison Ford, but what's the deal with what is de-aging what does that mean he's 80 years old let's 
let's understand that he's 80 years old. He looks 80. God knows I look 90. No, he looks great. <laughs> he, oh, he looks, looks great. Okay, but does he look 30 yeah. or 40? No, but he looks great. Do you oh. agree, Ann? Agreed. And, and in this movie, it's interesting you should... So when I, I was in L.A. in January at a lunch, at the AFI Awards lunch, and I uh, bumped into a guy, um, and if he's, <laughs> he, if he's listening, I am blanking on his name, and I'm so sorry because I think he's actually from Washington. Anyway, he's in this business. Um, and, you know, we were talking about this technology and how rapidly it has iterated and gotten really sophisticated. Um, and I don't want to tell tales out of school, but, but I got to see a little example of the work that he was doing that was astonishing. It was just a little test they had made on an iPhone with an actor who starts in front of the camera as the actor we see today, walks away, and as he's walking back, they de-age him by 30 years, mm. right in real time. And it was just absolutely stunning. So with Ford... I gather that they actually went back into old footage um, that the studio had of right. him doing indie. And then, so it's not that uncanny valley thing at all. You know, it looks very organic. It's not creepy. And to their credit, they let him be old. Like, that's for, you know, it starts with this very protracted flashback during which he's in his 30s. And then um, the bulk of the movie, he's... 80-year-old Harrison Ford, and they show him, you know, with his 80-year-old body, which is wonderful, you know. They don't try to pretty it up or get rid of the wrinkles or anything. So to the to the filmmaker's credit, like, they don't, you know, they don't... I, I thought they did it very tastefully. And, and it all it fits the story, and again, the glory of the movie is present-day Harrison Ford. Well, he's a great-looking so guy. Nice. I mean, when he's he takes his shirt guy. off in, in, in Working Girl... Yeah. Everybody goes nuts. I mean, he's he's yeah, he's a great looking guy. He's going to look better than takes, most of us. But. He doesn't. He takes his shirt off here, and he's a great looking eighty year old guy who looks like an eighty year old. Guy. You know what I mean? It's like yay, more power to you, Harrison Ford. I guess. I mean, it's, it's I guess I have this. I can't. I can't run. I can't move the way I used to. Mm. My body doesn't work. I mean. I know. These movies it's are incredible. chase movies. They are physical movies, right? I know. I Can know. He... No, wait till you see Tom Cruise in a couple of weeks. Then we'll talk. Why? Same. Well, he's doing... Oh, uh, a Mission Impossible? He, yeah, he might be 20 years younger, but he's <laughs> he's, six, he's 60. Right. You know? Yeah. And right. he's still bopping. And, like, yeah, it really is... Um, it is phenomenal. It just, Harrison Ford yeah. was in this Apple production shrinking where he played a 80 year old psychiatrist who was starting to mm. get parkinson's mm -hmm. mm. he's fabulous he looks fabulous he's his acting is fabulous he didn't look like he'd lost a step even though he was playing somebody with parkinson's everybody That's seems incredible. to like him right? I, would li I need to watch that oh mm -hmm. it's great you like it. everybody likes harrison ford right they do and and again to go back to top gun and Tom Cruise, you know, the, like, I think the big, why everybody made such a big, one of the reasons everybody made such a big deal about Top Gun was, here is that very rare global hit, mega hit, that isn't comic book and isn't superhero. It does feature real people doing stuff. Well, you know? I, I mean, yes, I would also say that on Top Gun, that was only the second one. I mean, this true. is like the 14th Indiana Jones, right? <laughs> I mean, exactly hasn't right. Star Wars, aren't we up to about 30? 
on oh. Star Wars made by like independent yeah. producers at <laughs> yeah. some point, right? Too many. I know. It's just, and that's, I guess, that's where, um, I mean, it's been a while since we saw the last Indiana Jones, so okay. It's, right. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like it's just wallpaper. But okay. on the other, but yeah, and, and I think the Top Gun sequel was a multi-generational hit. You know, it was the kind of thing you could bring your kids yeah. and grandkids mm-hmm. to. This is, I think, going for that exact same, you know, it's like, let's see if, if the, you know, if that younger generation will come out to see this, okay. you know, because like you said, it's, it is, it's just that same chase movie, the dingus. It's funny. It's like, there is a bright red thread between the Fast and Furious and this and Mission Impossible. It's like, you know, <laughs> they're all looking for the dingus, you know, yeah. that's going to save the, you know, so, um, yeah. It, and, but about Harrison Ford, like, let's see, like, let's, you know, we all love him and feel that same way about him. Um, yeah, but what if you're 25? What, what if you're 30 exactly. and you're seeing this old guy on, and you're just going to get rid of this old guy? True. But those are also young people who grew up with him watching him with their parents because their parents are like, oh, my God, you've got to see this Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. You know? So they are, they're all good. interesting about stardom right now. It's like, what's, what, what is transgenerational, you know? We're finding out in yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the box office probably tells you down the road. Probably. Well, I was thinking about the song that played in, in More Cowbell, and yeah. I thought, how much longer does that expression have currency? Oh, right. I mean, it exactly. might be getting a little old. I would think. I mean, you don't know. I'm getting it's a little so old. <laughs> I mean... I, you know, I have a proprietary interest in things like Star Wars. And I saw the first one, and the second one, and the third one, and the fact that there's 15 of them, and I don't even know who the people are anymore. I mean... Are you still watching them? No, but I mean, I watched them. I mean, it's sort of a, it's sort of a badge of honor that you were there on the first you one. stood in line. Yeah. 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 But, 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 what, so it, but, so, but like you, I agree, and it was, I guess, it, it wasn't as big a part of my life at the time. You know, I guess it should have been. I, 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 I remember going, it just didn't rock my world the way it rocks so many people's world, but... I don't feel the need. I guess it's this. Um, I'm perfectly happy to leave things in the. That's why I'm not on Facebook, right? It's sort of like I'm okay. You know, I'm okay with leaving things in the past, right? As a great memory, you know, like you don't need to keep doing it for me, you know. Like I, I will keep moving and growing and changing, and so I, this, this need to just constantly go back. Although another thing, so in addition to shrinking, which I will watch. I really need to watch Andor because I've heard nothing but amazing things about this oh, yes. the television series. Oh. Um, of course, done by the great Tony Gilroy, who did the great Michael Clayton, my favorite movie oh, of yeah. the 2000s. Um, and so all the reports are that, you know, that, that, is, that is just a really outstanding piece of work, piece of visual storytelling, which I would like to see. But, okay. yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, it's just it's this kind of inability to move on, you know. I've really got to retire. I can't keep doing this. Thank <laughs> you, Ann. Thank you, Ann. Ann Hornaday, well, boys and girls. Happy note. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah. We'll take Hi, a break. Ann. We will have uh, email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got email, faxes, and you know. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got some for all of you folks. Love that band. Eric DeLong and the Slappy Boys. <laughs> I love band. the notion of the Slappy Boys. <laughs> Love that. Bethesda Bagel ad for us? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. All right, before we get to the mailbag, let me just say this is a song from me and Gene. I'm getting bugged driving up and down the same old strip. i got to find a new place where the kids are hip. My buddies and me are getting real well known. Yeah, the bad guys know us and they leave us alone. This is I Get Around. Yes. This was, at one point, the best-selling single the Beach Boys ever did, I Get Around. 1963 maybe or even 62 I will this check is out. yeah this is Mike Love in the lead this is Brian Wilson Brian Wilson's genius is different than Paul Simon's it's different than Bob Dylan's Brian Wilson's genius is taking his everyday life and translating it into your everyday life Brian Wilson always you know those other guys look outward and Brian Wilson just said you know what I'm the star of this movie, and this is my life in my room. I, yeah. I mean, everybody could relate. Everybody of a certain age could relate. I'm to that. not looking outward because I haven't left this room in ten years. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah he doesn't leave. <laughs> right. May, doesn't leave. May 11th, 1964, with the B side of "Don't Worry, Baby," which so, is the greatest. Not no, no, a little record. Yeah. You know, none of the guys go steady because it wouldn't be right to leave <laughs> your best girl home on a Saturday, Saturday night, night, right? Thanks to our guests today, Barry's Verluga and Ann Hornaday. Thanks to our sponsors today, Harry's Razors. And Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. This is from Jim uh, in Lutherville, and I guess I was looking for directions to Spooky Nook, or Wilbon was looking for directions to Spooky Nook, and he just says, whatever road you are on, head north. Look for the Slauson Cutoff. But the Slauson Cutoff was that thing that Johnny Carson always said, right, (laughs) when he gave directions. Take it. Take the next ride after Magooby's Joke House. Follow signs to yep. Spooky Nook. If you see a Royal Farms, you missed it. That checks out. From Brandon Borzelli, who we love. We do Lebanon, love Brandon. Lebanon, New Jersey. Yes. I can concur with Wilbon. My daughter plays AAU basketball, and Spooky Nook is the mecca of basketball. You get fat, bad sleep. You go deaf from the 80, yes, 80 basketball courts going constantly for 12 hours over three days. The worst part is there are basically no seats. Parents stand around like they're waiting for a subway to come by and pick them up. Because my kid thinks it's the greatest event ever and gets t-shirts, sweatshirts, pants, jackets, and all kinds of apparel to commemorate the trip. I'd rather go to a flea market and look for the deal of the century on a lamp. (laughs) From Greg Wells, Dr. Comcast, and Why I'm Missing Pennsylvania, listening to the Monday podcast, and Wilbon dropped Spooky Nook into the conversation. And I thought, well, I know that place. As he described Spooky Nook as a ridiculous facility with soccer, basketball, field hockey, and lacrosse all being played in a huge complex. Mike made it sound like it was a town in Pennsylvania. It's actually in Mannheim, right outside Lancaster. Tell Mike he doesn't have to eat the swill served on site. There are plenty of good restaurants close by. I recommend John J. Jeffries or Gibraltar. 
both in Lancaster and both less than 15 minutes away. Food is excellent. Perhaps more importantly, after a day of watching basketball, the bars are well stocked. It sounds like it's difficult for parents to go there. From Josh Cromwell in Moselle, Mississippi. I love that this show has basically turned into a Martha Stewart type program. First, it begins with a thrilling new recipe for the fresh zucchini right out of the garden. And next up is Michael Wilbon to talk about all the hot travel spots this summer. <laughs> the only thing missing was you should have had Remnick there to discuss the latest summer fashions. Do you want to talk about your new zucchini? I harvested the ugly zucchini. It's beautiful. Yes. You're going to make that. That's very good. Mm. From Josh in Normal, Illinois. Normal, Illinois, the hometown of? I'm unaware. David Kindred. Oh, really? Oh. David Kindred. And that's also where Rivians are made. That oh, that's Rivian. right. Yeah, the Rivian cars. Yes. Your knowledge of states and cities and people from them. There's notable residents. Well, so I mean, strange. you, you got to remember Kindred. I mean, you got to remember that. Best Josh holiday card Lord. ever. A whole aside about a delicious zucchini instead of his grandson's birthday and no one thought to call it a great zucchini? <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> yes, here, man? I'm the great zucchini. <laughs> from Kevin Disher in Bay City, Michigan. At the end of Monday's show, you read an email describing an unfortunate fish that was mutilated by sharks and rendered useless in the eyes that judge it. Let's see. A boat goes out too far past what's safe. Fishermen and fish suffer for hours. Sharks destroy the noble fish and steal the financial gains of the fishers. No Santiago? No, a man can be destroyed but not defeated? No old man in the sea illusion at all? Somewhere, Hemingway is questioning your English degrees. And that was sent to you as well as to me. So we know. John Juback in um, Pittsburgh. Although I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, I've come to share your contempt for Dominic Smith. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> On April 29th, the Pirates were completing a doubleheader sweep of the Nats that would push their record to a league-best 20-8. and eight. They were leading the nightcap 16 to nothing in the bottom of the ninth when Dominic Smith hit the most meaningless home run of all time to make the final score 16-1. to one. Since that moment, the Pirates have posted a record of 15 wins and 34 losses. They forgot how to hit, frequently staring at called third strikes like little leaguers that make stupid outs on the base pass. The middle relievers have been beset by injuries and ineffectiveness. Even the design of their City Connect uniforms has been largely panned. I like those, the bright yellow ones. I thought they were really nice. Yeah, they look cool. Pirate fans blame ownership for being cheap, the front office for standing pat, and the hitting coach for being incompetent. But I know the real reason for their plunge in the standings. It's the curse of Dominic Smith. From Dan in Myrtle Beach. I was listening to you and Wilbon talk about his son's European AAU trip on Monday. And I couldn't help but notice your comment about Europe having more culture than Myrtle Beach. Excuse me? You think that Europe has more culture than Myrtle Beach? How Mm. many waffle houses can you find in Europe? We got six here. I've included a brief list below of some of the cultural highlights you could find on a trip to Myrtle Beach. I think we can both agree that any of these are better than some dumb leaning tower. Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, the Mm. Hollywood Wax Museum, the Simpsons 4D Theater Experience, Broadway at the Beach, the Alabama Theater, Dolly Parton's Pirate Voyage, Myrtle Beach Skywheel, over 50 mini golf courses. Take that, Europe. Yes. Oh, this is great. I'm putting Tony in very high company when I use the term revered and loved. In golf parlance in our day, Jack was revered, Arnie was loved. Regards, DG. DG. Of course, DG. Uh, From Scott Lady. Lighty? Scott from Elon. I went to Harris Teeter on Sunday specifically to purchase hair gel, asked Michael. And as any good little does, found myself wandering down the ice cream aisle looking at the price of Tillamook ice cream, $7.79. Right next to it was Briars for five forty eight, and then I found the jackpot Turkey Hill on sale for two ninety nine. I picked up a half gallon of coffee ice cream for you. You're welcome. Also tell Michael that Chef Sasha Felixson is no longer at Foxtrot and has since moved to Los Angeles. He'll be happy to provide 
all of the, your culinary needs on the West Coast. Are you familiar with this? I'm very interested in this. And if you're at Harris Teeter... Do you know Teeter, my chef? Uh, by name, but not okay. personally. Okay. If you're at Harris Teeter, check out the Stubbs Black Pepper Anytime Marinade and Sauce. It's really mm. good. Very right? good. Mm. All right. Perfect on pork. From Jay and Burke. steak. Always great hearing Wilbon check in on Mondays. Just curious, how many more inches does a son need to grow before you start calling him Wilbon Yama? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, Claire sent a message. On behalf of the grateful Littles from out of town visiting this weekend, or last weekend, please give big dap to fellow little Heather Garcia of Wisconsin. She negotiated a deal at Hotel Zena or Zena. Do you know that? I don't know it. It's down on 14th Street, I In think. Logan Circle yeah. for us that rivaled any fistful of coupons you'd use to make it rain at a bass store shoe outlet. Hotel Zena was a two-bathroom situation, as you can see in this attached photo of the gang. Everybody's wearing bathrooms. Yes. Oh. All the Littles wearing bathrooms. So that's very, very nice. And one more. Robert from Denver. Before I started listening to this show, I did not know who Sally Jenkins was. And still, while I learned of her credentials on your show, she was merely a charming personality and smart person I listened to from time to time. When she came on to talk about her book, however, I was hooked. What a great thesis. Turns out she lives up to the hype. Holy cow. I went through that book in a day and a half and immediately thought, what else has she written? Well, a couple of days later, I'm almost done with Sum It Up, a book she wrote with legendary basketball coach Pat Summit. At this pace, I'll get through the Sally Jenkins Library pretty quickly. So when we put people on, and we put Sally on, and we put Remnick on. Go buy their books. Yes, yeah. go buy their books. And they know what they're doing. Yes. If you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. Who is Tony? Tony Kornheiser. Who is that? It's a PTI guy on ESPN. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>